Good morning. How are we? As Dana said, my name is Tim Eisen. I am the campus pastor for Summit Whitesburg. And I know what everybody's thinking. Um, why did I come today? Mark's not here. We've got this guy, and, and I feel your pain. Um, it's got to the point where Mark wouldn't tell me when he was going to be gone because I'd always ask him, do I need to show up today? And he would say, yes. Yeah. So I thought I had him. I knew he was going to be gone today. So I wasn't going to say anything. I just wasn't going to show up. So last week I get a phone call. It's like, um, can we have lunch? And it's never good when the pastor calls you and wants to meet with you for lunch. So we have lunch. He's like, I need you to do me a favor. I said, all right. He goes, I need you to preach on Sunday. So touche Combs, well done. Um, I am thankful to be here. I think God really wants to do something uh, special uh, here this uh, morning. Uh, let's pray and let's see what God has in store for us. Righteous Heavenly Father, just thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for your love, for your provision, for the grace that, um, that you've given us through uh, your Son, Jesus. Father, we just ask, Lord, that for those that need to be comfort, Lord, that you just comfort them in a way that only you can. For those of us who need to be convicted, God, I ask that you lovingly convict us. That, Father, when we walk out of the doors today, Father, we're not the same as how we come in because we had an encounter with the living God. And everybody said, amen. Our lives are kind of based upon decisions. Some decisions we make doesn't take a lot of thought. They're kind of routine. Um, what am I going to eat? What should I wear? What time should I go to bed? Do I brush my teeth? And the answer to that question is always yes with mouthwash if possible. Some decisions we make are a little more important. It kind of lasts us a lifetime. Should I get married? Are we going to have children? What career should I choose? What school should I go to? And some decisions we make are, well, we can look back at them or just dumb. And unfortunately, I have a lot more of those than I care to admit to. Uh, growing up, my dad had a 1968 Chevy Camaro. This was pure American muscle car at its finest. And the times I got to drive it, which really wasn't often because my dad didn't believe as I did in the D stands for degree theory. But when I did get to drive this car, it was like I was straight up like in Fast and Furious. It was amazing what kind of magical powers this car had. I, I got a tan. I got a couple inches taller. I become better looking. I was like a cross between Vin Diesel and Paul Walker. It was amazing what this car could do for me. So I was out cruising one day, and I noticed traffic was kind of bumper to bumper. I didn't think much about it. I come up on a passing lane. I pass vehicles. Everybody's kind of staring at me a little bit. I think people are admiring how hot I am in this car. So the lanes merge, and I pull in. I notice the guy behind me starts flashing his lights. I don't think much of it. So not too much further down, the passing lanes comes again. So I'll pull out, and I'll start passing everybody again. But at this time, everybody's really staring me down, like just give me like straight-up stink eye. So I'm at the point, I'm like, I don't know what everybody's problem is here, just hating on me that I'm in this hot car and you're not. So I noticed the sign that said lanes going to merge. And about three cars up above me, I realized why everybody was staring at me. And that's when I seen the hearst. Now, my dilemma at this point is, do I stop, do the right thing, allow everybody to pass me in my shame for passing a funeral procession, or do I just keep on going? And I think I'd done what most people would do. I stomped the gas. And the whole time that I stumped, I don't know why. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why? Just go, go, go. So I pass everybody and keep going. Looking back at it again, it was, I made a bad decision. 
we're going to look at a story of a young man who made a bad decision. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, um, you can open them up, uh, turn on your device. We're going to be uh, in the book of Luke, uh, chapter 15. We're going to look at the story of the prodigal son. And if you don't have a church background, a lot of people will be familiar with this. And we're going to begin, we're going to read um, in verse 11. And before we get going, kind of set this up. In the beginning of chapter 15, Jesus is speaking. And on one side of the room, we've got the prostitutes, we've got the tax collectors, we've got the, the sinners, the outcasts of society on one side. And on the other side of the room, we have the Pharisees and the scribes. We have the religious leaders. And Jesus is just holding church. And, the, and he's telling two parables before the prodigal son. The first parable, he tells about a lost sheep. And the second parable, he talks about a lost coin. Have you ever lost anything of value? Just that, that gut-wrenching emptiness in your stomach, whether that be a relationship or a loved one or just something of value. And Jesus is trying to tell about separation between us and, and him, that we're lost and we're out of contact with him. Luke 15, beginning in verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the shared property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatty calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost and he is found, and they begin to celebrate. Just one point. I just have one thing that I just want to lay before us as we, uh, before we get going. And that thought is no one has went too far. No one has done anything as outside of Jesus Christ reaching, saving grace for anybody here this morning. So you got this son, and he comes to his dad, and he says, Pops, I want what's mine. I don't want to wait till you die. I want what you're going to give me, and I want it now. I need to live my life. You don't know how it should be ran. I'm tired of being under you. I need to live. So the father gives him his money. So the kid gets everything liquidated up. He's got his bundle full of cash. He is bound to Vegas. Puts everything on Snapchat and Instagram. I mean, this is the life. It is going to be on now. He gets to live his own life, how he sees fit, not how dad wants it to be for him. So he lands in Vegas, and he gets on his strip, and it's just the lights, the energy. I mean, this is living at its best. 
and all of a sudden he hits the clubs, he's in the casinos, and now he's got some friends gathering around, he's got an entourage with him, Taylor Swift squad goes. Life is good, he's hitting the clubs, he's in the VIP section. I mean, this is the life that he dreamed of. Everything is great. And then all of a sudden, then he gets a little cold streak at the tables, and he loses some of his money. And then he kind of presses a little bit, and he loses a little more, and then all of a sudden, some of the friends kind of just drop off. They're not, they're, not, they're not there anymore. So he can't get into the VIP section. So he becomes more aggressive at the tables. He keeps pressing, just betting more money until all of a sudden he's busted. He's bankrupt. He has no money and he's broken spiritually. And he thinks to himself, I mean, what, what am I going to do? I can't go back home. I can't go back and talk to dad the way I talked to dad, how I treated him. I mean, he won't have me come back. I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll fix it. I'll make it better. I'll get a job. So he looks around. Nobody's hiring in town. He has no skill set. So he notices on the farm on the outskirts of town that he gets this job. He understands why the job's been vacant for a long time because the job's horrible. He's barely able to make it. He can't, he just, there's just no money. The conditions are horrible to the point where he's starving. He wants to eat what he's feeding the pigs. So then he comes to himself. So he starts rehearsing. He thinks about, you know what? Um, my dad's employees, they've got a lot better gig. I mean, they've got plenty of food. I mean, they've got, they get to stay on the property. It's just, it's just good. So I, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll go back. So he starts rehearsing his speech. You ever been out somewhere and come back late at night and you know there's going to be questions asked, like, where you been? Who are you with? Have you been drinking? Did I smell pot? That was the old me, you know. I'm the only one. Okay, all right. But he starts rehearsing like we all do. So all of a sudden, he's like, that's it. I'm, just, I'm going to go back to dad. I'm just going to, I don't know if you haven't taken me back, but I'm just going to say, hey, I know I can't be your son for what I've done to you, how I've treated you, how I've disrespected you, but maybe if you can take me back and just count me as one of the employees, I'll just take that. So he takes the long walk back. And it says that so far off that the father notices him. And the father runs. Now, when Jesus would have told this at this time, this was scandalous because distinguished Jewish men didn't run. This was unheard of. Jesus demonstrating that the father's love for his children, they said the father runs out to him. And he wraps his arms around his neck and just falls on him, kisses him, and just hugs on him. And the son starts to give the spiel, the apology. Father, I just, I, I just forgive me. I sinned against you and against heaven. I don't deserve to be your son, but I'll be one of your employees. And I want you to notice in the scripture that the father doesn't even acknowledge what the son said. He just tells his workers, he's like, let's get the best clothes on him, put the Jordans on his feet, get the ring on, stake, because there's parties and then there's parties, and we're going to have a party, because my son, who I thought was dead, is alive. The same message that Jesus had for them there is the same message applies for us today. It's not so much about the prodigal as it is about the love of a father. They're saying that it doesn't matter what you've done, how far you've gone, that Jesus still can save you, that Jesus still can rescue you. But a lot of the pushback when you hear something like this, man, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know who I've hurt, the things that go on at dark that nobody knows about. You stand up there and look like Beaker from the Muppets, spiky hair and no chin. How do you know me? And here's the thing, I don't have to. Because what I do know is you have no sin, past, present, future, 
that has more power than a cross of Jesus Christ? Absolutely nothing. The Bible is full of jacked up, broken people who God used to accomplish amazing things. You have King David, whose scripture still was a man after God's own heart. It's not some cool nickname that he gave himself. That he, had, that, he, that he had an affair, he committed adultery, and then had the woman's husband murdered. And then we have the Apostle Paul who went against and attacked the early church. Had men, women, children arrested, sentenced to death for serving Jesus. So if you was gathering around talking shop with David and Paul, and you start talking about the dirt that you've done and what you have on your hands, man, they would shake you off and tell you to come back when you've actually done something. Because the power... It, the power and grace and the cross of Jesus Christ can take somebody in the grips of hopeless opiate addiction where they are a liar, a manipulator, a thief, and an embezzler and can change their heart and their life in such a manner that I stand before you this morning to proclaim that because that's my story. I say this sometimes to kind of make light of the situation, but I say there's some sicker than others and I'm not one of the others. I mean, I was an addict's addict. My favorite drug was more, especially if it was yours. But there gets to a point where you get sick and tired of the chase when you're tired and sick and tired of being sick and tired. The thing that, I know what, here's the thing. I know what bottom is. I know what gun oil tastes like. The thing that I wanted more than God, the thing that I was going to, that I, I, it was my master. I served it. He told me when to wake up. He told me when to go to bed, who I was going to deal with during that day. It completely controlled me to the point where I just wanted to check out. But it's like the Holy Spirit of God kept saying, no, that's not going to be your story. Because I'm not going to let you do that. Because I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. The thing that you wanted more than me, the thing that about destroyed you, what that's going to be is going to be a testimony of my grace and my power. The thing that you tried for evil is going to be for good because I'm going to demonstrate how strong and what I can do. And if Jesus Christ would do that for me, he'll do that for anybody. You see, the cross of Jesus Christ is this invitation. It's this invitation for us just to come back home. And it doesn't matter how you walked in here. A lot of times we get caught up, especially followers of Jesus Christ, when we get off base some and we get far away from it. We feel like we've got to try to earn his love. That we've got to do some churchy things. We've got to go to church. We've got to read the Bible. You don't. you just got to come. That's not the gospel. You don't have to quit using first. Quit looking at porn first. Quit drinking first. You just got to come and let Jesus do the changing of your heart. Because all we have to do is turn and go back home. And it's not a lonely walk back home because Jesus is there. All he wants to do is to turn around. Summit, we have been called to be heralds of the good news of Jesus Christ. What he has done for us and what he can do for you. Everybody here knows somebody who's away from God whether they were on fire because life just happens and before you know it you're off track and you bailed out. Because you think that your performance, that you earned your salvation. Well, you don't earn your salvation. Jesus done that for us on the cross. We just got to accept it. But who do you have in your life that needs to be prayed for? Who do you have in your life that you need to invite to church? Because each of us have people, but only we 
can contact and connect with like nobody else can? Are you living a life and extended grace that Jesus Christ extended to you? Can you say that? Do you show that in your day-to-day life? The great thing about grace is we, we don't deserve it. We just got to accept it. There's nothing that we've earned. There's nothing you'll ever earn. And if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're struggling, God's not surprised of where you're at. And here's the thing. He doesn't regret saving you because it's not based on you to keep it. It's based on what Jesus has done for you on the cross. If we could be a church that grasped that idea, we would change hazard in the surrounding area. When we understand grace, we quit trying to work for it and earn it and just, just accept it. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me, please? Summit, who, who do you have? Who, who do you have in your life that's far away from God that you need to pray for, that you need to invite to come here? I just ask that you just pray for that person right now as you pray for them by name. And if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're struggling, I want you to know that God's not mad at you. God's not in heaven shaking his head, regretting the fact that he saved you and the fact that he knows and he still sent his son to save you. Allows us to be freedom in the cross, just to breathe because it's not about perfection, it's about progress. Our perfection is what Jesus done for us. And if you're here and all you want to do, you just want to come back home that you know that you're far away from God. And you know you got some things in your life that you need to work out, but you just want to come back home. I would just ask that you just raise your hand if that's your heart's desire. That you know what? I just want to pray for you that you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're just struggling. There's one hand, praise God for that hand. Church, there's another hand, praise God for that hand. Us being the church, none of us here have it all together. None of us. And that's a beautiful thing because everything that we do is based on what Jesus done for us. There's freedom in the cross. That we all come together to live together, to lift each other up. Or maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I just want you to know that God so loves you this morning that he so wanted you to be an adopted son, an adopted daughter, that he would do anything to have a relationship with you. And he shows that by sending his son who lived perfect for you, who went to the cross for you, who took your debt of sin on himself, and then three days later rose. That's how much God loves you this morning. And if you're here and just... This is not magic words. This may help just verbalize what God is doing in your heart. And it's just as simple as that, God, I know that I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. Forgive me. Save me. And help me live for you the very best that I can. Did you just say that prayer this morning? And if you did, and just be bold on the count of three, we just shoot your hand up. One, two, three. Is that you this morning? Just pray that. There's a hand. Praise God for that hand. Anybody else? 
that you would give your life for the first time. Everybody look at me, please. On your connection card on the back of it, if there's somebody that's been on your heart that you're praying for that God will bring back home, would you go ahead and write their name on that connection card? We want to pray for that with you. We're a church. We want to do life together. We're all in this together. If you've rededicated your life to Jesus Christ, we want to know that too. If you accepted Jesus as Savior on the bed, would you just check that box? Because we want to celebrate with you. We have a free gift for you. We have a Bible and a green book. Seek first. We want to come up beside you. We want to do life with you and celebrate because you made the greatest decision that you ever made. Church, let's give it up to God today. He done amazing things today. We're just really thankful for you. Um, we hope you have just an amazing rest of the holiday weekend. And you're dismissed. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend.